Welcome back to What A Hit Son. Today joining me, I have another regular in Rue. Welcome back, Rue. As great to uh, to have you back on the podcast. And I'm sure you're already buzzing after Tuesday night's results. And of course, uh, we're probably both happy with the result from last night in yesterday's game. Yeah, delighted to be on, Keen. Oh, I've been on cloud nine since... Um... Obviously, since Tuesday evening, and then I kind of went into another level there altogether um, last night. So, yeah, it was a brilliant game. Um, obviously, loads of drama, loads of talking points. Um, so, yeah, uh, loads to get stuck into. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think um, uh, we will talk about it more, but just I think last night's game was yeah, is literally... I turned around to Aoife at the, at the end of the game and I said, this is why I love football. It just really summed up, you never know what's going to happen in, in, in a game. And such such a big game as well with it being a semi-final. And at one stage, it looked like, obviously, it's going to be Man City going to take this away kind of after the first half and most of the second half. And then all of a sudden, in at the end of the game, you have this big ch- change and... Just goes. It just goes to show you can never write someone off in football. No, and I think obviously, obviously we didn't see it happening, but um, the the fact it's been done by Madrid basically three times in a row now, um, with it being PSG, um, and then obviously Chelsea, and then um, City, all at home. So obviously that kind of aspect. Um, not necessarily, it's not something we necessarily would have associated with Madrid in previous years in terms of how hard it is to go to the Bernabeu if they're behind the leg and their ability to come back. But this, this season, they've been pretty outstanding out. Um, obviously, PSG as well in the um, the last 16. So, but yeah, I um, it, it was uh, it was just a mad game. Obviously, 89th minute, it's it's one little city. And they're looking like they're cruising, and then substitutions by um by Ancelotti worked a treat, really, didn't they? Yeah, I think I think that that would probably summed up um I think some of the key areas in the thing. Pep substitutions were good to an extent, but I think uh, Ancelotti's substitutions had more of an impact when you compare the two. He obviously he he made the decision decision not to start Rodrigo and obviously to bring Rodrigo inject that bit of pace uh, and that quality in that Rodrigo has shown uh, at times obviously really uh, proved a point um, in in making the difference Yeah, big time, well I, I would never have associated Rodrigo as being a starting player and obviously Camavinga came on and he's trying to break into and probably will be the direct replacement for for Kroos or Modric in terms of he's just going to slot in there the next couple of seasons and he'll be kind of the in the starting eleven. Um, he also made a a big difference in terms of his ability to keep the ball, especially in extra time. Um, City never really threatened. Um, Madrid uh, after. After Madrid had scored, obviously that was that mad period, and then they got the very um, the penalty very early in extra time, and then they kind of you would say they were quite comfortable. Um, City never really looked like um, like scoring. I don't really remember them even testing um, 
Courtois, Courtois really um, in extra time. So, so yeah, the um, you obviously need a little bit of luck. Um, when Grealish came on, he had those couple of opportunities. There was one very good save by Courtois with his foot, and then um, obviously the instance where he the play the ball was cleared off the line. Um, now was that down to poor finishing, or is it just a like I don't know? But um, and then technically Grealish was at like fault in the lead up to both goals as well. Um, yeah. and they seem to exploit that left side of City with Zinchenko a little bit. Um, for all the goals, so ah, oh, there's loads of no loads of kind of analysis really that can be done. Um, I suppose over the two legs, you would have to argue City probably deserved to win in terms of the amount of chances they created, but that's not football's not very um fair in that sense, and um, you got to get the job done, and they didn't they didn't take their chances, um, they, like they could have been three or four goals up the tie dead after the first leg and they let they let Madrid back into it. So yeah, no complaints really. I, I suppose the, the the question I have there now, obviously I spoke with this in the previous episode with Tommy as well. Do you think now that was a perfect reason or showing to obviously Guardiola like he made the wrong decision last summer and he should have brought in a striker? Because if he had, say, a Harry Kane or someone of that quality up front yesterday, more than likely they wouldn't be in this situation today where they would have lost because there were one or two chances that that, that were happened there. But if you've got a world-class striker up there, those chances are being put away, even with the likes of amazing goalie that Courtois is. Yeah, look, I suppose we always come back to it, don't we? And maybe in the big games, that's the difference. But I suppose City have such a set way of playing. Um, they've obviously been rumoured and linked. They obviously were linked for so long with Kane. Didn't go through. They've been linked with Haaland already in terms of his buyout clause. Um, so I don't know. Like the, he, When he had a striker at the club, he didn't use him in Aguero for a long time. And then eventually, and then he dropped him. And like Champions League final last year, he's coming on with five minutes to go. Should he have been starting? Should he have been on earlier? So I just don't think Pink Pep wants a striker. That's just my own personal opinion. Like he's not going to change his style of play just to accommodate what the media is suggesting. Like he's still a brilliant manager. He's still um, been very successful with their, like all the rumors, obviously, with Yaya Torre putting a shaman curse on Pep, um, similar to. Um, the the traveller that put the curse on Mayo that like will he ever win the Champions League again with Man City? Um I don't know, but um it's yeah. I it 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 just comes down to they had their chances and obviously there was me, there was loads of individual errors leading up to Madrid goals and Madrid exploited the opportunities that they got. So um in that sense I don't think um I think there's other factors more more impacting on it rather than just them not having a striker. Yeah, no, I do agree. And I, I do think, obviously, Jack Grealish obviously was was the, the wrong decision, I think, anyway, for Man City because for, for the quality he has as a player, he, it, it, he doesn't suit Man City's style because I think he's better as, like, like Wilfred Zaha, 
he's better as a star man in a team, not to be one of one of many star players in a team, because I think I don't know whether it's the pressure's got to him that he knows. Oh, I've I I've they paid a hundred million for me. I need to really step up now. He has shown glimpses at times in matches. He's shown it in uh, the recent, obviously game against United he had glimpses as well and he has done once or twice in the league but he hasn't done it enough I think to prove it and could you see maybe this summer him potentially maybe going on loan somewhere or him potentially leaving if Man City can find someone maybe better than him that will suit their style more um, good question, but I like after spending that kind of money, I don't think they can afford to do that. Really, I think they'll have to just persist in it. Um, I, I think there's just been another reason, as he's clearly not been in form, but um, there's been players in those positions that have been in better form than him. So that's yeah. another reason why he hasn't been in the team. I suppose if he can step up his level and produce the forms, maybe that he he had a Villa, he has a better chance. But he hasn't been doing that. Um, like in all all facets of his game, just haven't been to the the standard that they need to be really, um, especially, um, finishing wise. Some of the chances he's had all season, he just hasn't hasn't been ruthless enough. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. Like, I I do think, um, when when you're looking at it, like, it. He he might need he might have needed this season to kind of settle and maybe next season he might kick on, but it is something maybe that Guardiola will ask himself now. What does he need now to do to to progress? Because now the main focus for them is the only trophy they have they're left competing in, which is obviously the Premier League, which will now will be interesting. I'm going obviously to the game on Sunday, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of performance Man City pull in put in kind of now that they have to focus now on the league and for Newcastle's sake I don't think it's going to be a good game for them because Man City will be wanting to batter obviously Newcastle after not taking their chances the other day Absolutely um, and like I don't think Newcastle necessarily will travel um, as well as have they have been um, playing at um They've not been playing as well traditionally this season. Um, so well since Eddie Howe's come in away from home that they have at St James Park, they've kind of developed a bit of a um, fortress there, um, similar to what it was back in the day, really. But um, look, if they they turn up and they play the level forms they have been playing, they can give it a challenge. But like I expected, Leeds to give City a bigger test last week. I don't think that the the match reflected. Um, the result of the match reflected the actual performance Lee gave last, the last day, but um, they were they're still quite um, soft, kind of at at the back, and that kind of cost them. Um, and City have been like traditionally this season they've been ruthless, like they have the second most amount of goals scored in the league. Um, their goal difference now is actually only one less um, than Liverpool, so they've kind of caught up a little bit there. And you'd expect them to um to try push on now in these games. And look, it can work both ways. It can kind of it could re energize them in the league. Um it could also have the opposite effect now and they could have a bit of a hangover. So we'll have to wait and see. Liverpool have a have a harder game 
but before then anyway. So the league they could Spurs could be doing um City a favour, take the pressure off them. Yeah, no, I I do think like it is going to be an instant to see kind of what performance. And as you as you mentioned, I do do think I do agree that it could be one or two things or one or two kind of Man City show up. It could be the Man City that wants to to hit you to the ground and score ten on you, and there's could be the Man City that literally have to hang over the players that don't perform as well as they should be, and maybe slip up and let Liverpool jump leapfrog them if they if Liverpool get the results against first. So obviously speaking of the other team fighting for that obviously title and potentially fighting for something that's never been done in English football, which is obviously the quadruple. With as as a Liverpool fan, do you think it's very possible for you to get it or do you think it's maybe poss- more pot more likely for you to get maybe three? Or two, like what? What? How, as a Liverpool fan, do you feel right now in this situation? Um, I have to put my head in the block. I think. I think we win the Champions League final. I think we win the FA Cup final. Um, it just purely on basis on form, um, at the moment, and even worst case scenario, if they're open games, like uh, Madrid aren't good defensively. And the chances that they've been given up to City and to, in previous matches, I think if Liverpool get those chances, we're better at the back, we'll take the our opportunities. Um, I think the high line will actually suit us more against um, Madrid because I know they have Vinicius. Um, Vinicius didn't have a very good game last night, but the other side and Benzema, they're, they're black and pace. The only person with pace is Vinicius. Um, and I think, obviously, if you put... Um, starts Kanate in the final for example I think he has that recovery pace um, that he kind of allow for Trent to, to pe- potentially expose himself a, li- a little bit as he has the habit of doing defensively um, and obviously if Henderson plays in that side of midfield um, it also gives Trent a little bit more um, kind of cover defensively so that that um, Purely on form at the moment, I would be saying we should be beating Chelsea. But as we've seen this season, the games have all been, all three games have been really tight. Both teams um, have scored or it's been a stalemate. All three matches, a normal time have finished in, in draws. Um, so I don't think that's... Uh, and obviously we were a bit lucky in the League Cup in terms of uh, Chelsea had a couple of goals and disallowed um, for offside and stuff as well. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, at the moment I'd be... I'd be more confident on the Champions League final if I'm honest, because um, I just think I don't, like I maybe um maybe Madrid are it's kind of destined to an extent, but there's a lot of kind of um stats and um kind of similarities that are kind of turning out in Liverpool's favour. So the last time this happened and we played Benfica in a knockout stage, we played um Madrid in a in the European Cup final in eighty one and we won it. Um all 10 times we've been in a Champions League final, we've played a team in white. Um, so, like, there's loads of different funny scenarios that are happening to maybe suggest that it's, met, like, not destiny, but, you know, face to an extent. Um, <laughs> and I still feel very sorely about when we lost the Champions League final in 2019. I thought um, we were robbed, really. And um, obviously the Salah incident and then Carrius mistakes, really, like it didn't, it didn't reflect how well we had been playing to deserve that kind of result. So we'll have to wait and see.
Yeah, and to be honest, I'm actually hoping, obviously, Liverpool can do it in the Champions League because I think um, all well and good for Madrid getting to the final, but when you have an owner of that club who's been trying to push for a, a completely separate Super League and still hasn't dropped the idea or pulled out of the whole thing or mentioned about pulling out of it, and still is for it, and still all says, oh yeah, we'll play in the UEFA competition, and the, and this when this is generated, they don't deserve any more trophies um, in the Champions League or UEFA. Um, so I'd love to see Liverpool beat them, especially, obviously, what happened to you, because you were unlucky that year as well. I, I thought you were going to win that, but obviously mistakes kind of lost, lost, lost it for you, really. Um, and uh, looking, obviously back at obviously your semi-final were you shocked kind of how the they played in the first half really um kind of with the performance they put up because to me i i did not expect obviously villarreal to to play the way they did obviously in the first half from watching the first leg and how villarreal played well, I think the first leg, it wasn't a fair reflection on Villarreal. And like you have people like Jason Cundy coming out on Talk Sport and saying they're an absolute disgrace. But you have to remember they have beaten whether I don't think the Italian league form has been particularly strong this year, as we've seen. Juventus have been very disappointed in Europe for a long time. They're not challenging in, um, in Syria um, at the moment. And I can't see them challenging next season either. Um, but they were still... The, the tie was all square going into the second game and they they were set up very well um, defensively to hit Juventus on the counter-attack and you, as, as long, the longer the game went on front of their home crown Juventus got a little bit more desperate and they left gaps and, and Villarreal exploited that and fair play to them I thought they were brilliant in both um, both legs against Bayern um, like Bayern got the goal but when Lewandowski scored, that was literally the only chance that they'd had really over the two legs. Like the first leg in Villarreal, they, Bayern just whipped the ball in, cross, 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 and Villarreal were defending all day long um, f- fairly comfortably. So I don't know whether Bayern underperformed or Villarreal kind of overperformed in that sense, but um, you still have to give them recognition for that result and everybody were talking about Bayern including ourselves as being in the top three or four to win favorites to win the Champions League so that was a massive shock and um, I thought the first leg I think it suited the fact that Liverpool were at home first obviously we know that we're going to play with that intensity and um, we got a bit of luck for the first goal but you did feel it was coming and then even when we got the second goal I thought we were a little bit too safe then in terms of we kept the ball really well but we could have really gone to try and kill the tie there and then and we didn't and um, so I expected a reaction especially the way you know Emery and the players were talking um, and they're still at home it's they've never been in a Champions League semi-final on like for quite a while and um, obviously they have been in the past but um, it's been a long time and they were always going to be up for it and obviously in front of their home grounds you're going to get that little bit of adrenaline and I I think it played into their hands a little bit the Liverpool just didn't start well and we gave the ball away and they just kept inviting pressure onto us so um, 
But as we saw then, start the second half, the change Klopp made with Diaz coming on, um, I didn't think it necessarily was Jota's fault on the first half. He just couldn't get into the game because he couldn't keep the ball. And obviously, he wanted to keep the pace out wide of um, Diaz and uh, Salah. And Man has been doing pretty well when he switched through the middle of late as well. So, um, And Diaz just started on the right foot, uh, got straight at them, taking them on that pinned Villarreal back and then we just kept the ball so much better second half so when Villarreal were getting the ball we were winning the ball back up higher in the pitch and we were keeping the ball keeping the pressure uh, territory if you like to call it like that um, so I think that was the kind of big reason and Villarreal then their legs were taken out from under them after playing that such high intensity and then not being able to get the ball I think they were a bit demoralised second half similar to what they were um, in Anfield they just didn't know how to react, having um, had such a good first half. Yeah, I do. I do think like the the change really made the difference. I do. I, I just think yeah, Jota, Jota just didn't really kind of suit the, the the way the game would go, and so I think the the Diaz decision was just a masterclass from Klopp, and it really showed, and. The, the fact I said it to you, the fact that this guy has came in in January and he's already like a starter pretty much for you, like in my easily probably could be a starter yes. for the Champions League final is just amazing. He's He creates so much. He suits your style. He's His quality in uh, creating chances and scoring goals is just phenomenal and like this is a guy who you weren't even looking to bring in in January only for Spurs obviously to try and get in and, and nick him and he suits suits it straight away like he's settled in so quickly it's like he's always been at Liverpool nearly with, with how well he suits your style and I suppose he's delivered on all the big games, hasn't he? In terms of like he was brilliant in the, the League Cup final against Chelsea, he's probably our man of the match um, Benfica away, Benfica at home. He's just been like consistently um, off the bench as well. See, this is the thing. It's kind of a hard decision, I suppose. It's a, it's a nice headache for Klopp to have, but he's had such an impact off the bench in a lot of games as well. That do you start one of the other guys? Do you start Firmino or do you start? Um, do you start um, Jota? purely on the basis that, you know, Leo uh, Diaz is going to have an impact off the bench. So that's a that's another dilemma, I suppose, um, for, for Klopp. Um, but as, as we said, it's a nice dilemma to have. So, yeah, I'd wonder, um, I wonder if he, uh, if he will start. Like, at the moment, just purely on form, you'd like to think he probably will start um, all the big games in the... In the um, the uh, I don't know if we met. I have a feeling he probably won't start the League Cup final. Um, yeah. But now we'll probably start again at the weekend, and um against Spurs, um and then you probably rest them and have them on the bench for for Villa. See, it's it's such a hard dilemma because we're playing every three games now all the time. So we play Saturday against Spurs, then we're um Tuesday away at Villa. Then it'll be the FA Cup final that weekend um, against Chelsea. Then it'll be Southampton. 
and then um, Champions League final, and then I think uh, the last league game obviously would be Wolves. So, yes, yeah, so the. It's a it's a it's a busy few weeks for you now coming yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> but but that's the way you want it to be. But like, yeah, the yeah. the Klopp, Klopp and the, the 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 rest of the coaches and staff have a bit of a job trying to figure out how to um how to manage everybody correctly. Yeah, I suppose kind of um the last thing I I would say on Liverpool, I think just this season is I'm just so impressed with how. The performances, even when obviously players went away to obviously the, the Af- Afcon, you'd still have other players step up and get you results when you needed them as well. Um, I just the w- one thing I will say about Liverpool this season, or, or as a side, is no matter if they put in a poor performance, especially as of late, they always get that result in the end. Like they weren't too good in in recent games as they should be like putting teams to the ground like they're getting maybe one or two nil results but they're still getting the wins no matter even if other teams are performing well against them they're still getting the wins and that's all that matters at the end of the day um and i'm very impressed with just how their squad depth uh, even with other players seem to just seem to step up when when you need them to as well Ah yeah, like the the like at the start of the season, I don't think anybody would have picked um, Liverpool as having the strongest squad, and argue, you could argue now that we do have the strongest squad. Um, with everybody fit, obviously, I still think some of the other clubs um, deal a little bit better with injuries, and I suppose we were we were the complete opposite last season in terms of we were just absolutely riddled with injuries. Um, there was no fans, and there was just a number of factors that impacted negatively on the side. Now, that's not necessarily excuses, but allowing for excuses, but there was um, circumstances for um, circumstances for um, the poor kind of performances, especially at home um, during the kind of COVID minus fans, etc. But this season, just been the reaction from um, the squad, from the players, and from the get-go, and um, just been really positive. Um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting finishing season. It could be here, sitting here in a couple of weeks' time, with still just a league cup to, to show for us. But um, we, want to, we want to be in these big games. I'm sure the, the players are motivated. And how they, the way they've all been talking all season, um, they're taking it Yeah, no, it, it is. It is going to be um, interesting to to see, kind of, with the um, with how it goes. I suppose, kind of, looking at some of the, um, some of the other sides, obviously that could be getting in, um, obviously to that that top four, just below the the main two that are in there. Obviously, is uh, obviously Chelsea look like they're going to stay in there, but obviously we've got. You Liverpool obviously playing one of the sides trying to to secure that fourth spot, um, which I'm hoping obviously you get the results again, so uh, it it helps our benefit. But who do you think, kind of looking at on the outside, who do you think has the ha, has the advantage now of of the two, or can you really call it at the moment? Well, the advantage at the moment, like 
if obviously if Spurs were to drop points at the weekend, you'd say the, the advantage is there with with Arsenal. Um, I would say kind of defensively, Spurs have been a little bit more solid of late. Um, they haven't been conceding an awful lot of goals, but they have hadn't been scoring goals either. Um, look, they very they're they're very Spursy all season. They've been very hot and cold. Um, it it. I wouldn't be able to call it at the moment purely because I think it's going to come down to the derby. I think whoever wins the derby realistically gets fourth spot. Um, football isn't always that kind of black and white in terms of one result isn't necessarily going to impact it and you could still have um, uh, funny results or shocks after that. Um, I think Arsenal finish off. I think it's Everton last game, isn't it? And like yeah. Everton might need to win that in order to stay up. So I think that's always going to be a trickier game. Everton seem to have hit a little bit of run of form and putting up some good performances as well. Obviously beat Chelsea last weekend. So, um, yeah, I, I purely on the basis of the running, I, I will. Um, I think Arsenal need to win the derby more than Spurs do. Um, so it's in it's in it's in Spurs as well. So yeah, I don't know. Um, putting my head on the block. I suppose it. it I, I do think this weekend is going to really impact it because I I think if Spurs were to to push Liverpool close, I think they'd get a lot of confidence from that. Um, but if you're gonna if you're gonna put my make me choose, I'd say I'll go Arsenal to get top four. Yeah, I I do think right now when you're looking at it, um, it's probably like right now it's in our hands and it's all down at the moment because obviously we have the two point advantage. But I do agree with you. I do think it's it's coming. It'll probably come down to the North London derby. Now, obviously, if we can get the win this weekend and you can beat Spurs, that does give us a five point lead on Spurs. That if we say we do drop, say, three points um, to Spurs, it does give us that still a two-point lead and we just need to win our last two games. But mental-wise, mental that would give them the advantage. So it really is is one of those things that's all to play for. Now, as you said, Arsenal have to play Everton and Spurs have to play Burnley. So those games as well will be two big games, obviously, um, kind of. I know Spurs are playing it the, the weekend uh, before. Obviously, uh, Arsenal play Everton, but still, those two games because they're two teams that are obviously fighting for survival in in the league will come down separate from obviously the the derbies as well. So it really is one of those things you don't know what's going to happen um, with with the sides, and it is going to probably go down to to the last day to see who gets obviously your uh, Champions League football next season Oh absolutely um, I suppose that's that obviously he's going to make it nervous um, for Spurs and Arsenal fans but that's kind of what the drama you want like, it, it, there's nothing worse than the last day of the season with everything being tied up so potentially you're going to have a relegation battle you're going to have a top four battle and on top of that a title race that all could be decided on the final day of the season so as a for any neutral fans, that's pretty exciting, um, and that's what you want. So, um, and obviously, all the games being on at the same time as well, um, it always makes for an exciting finish. 
Yeah, no, definitely it does kind of. Um, and I suppose obviously speaking of obviously the relegation battle, so we have a look there. So, um, looking at the table, um, now there's there's pretty much three teams now that are in obviously that relegation fight. So you've Burnley on thirty four in sixteenth. You've Leeds United on thirty four in seventeenth, and you've Everton on thirty two, um, with uh in eighteenth. And Everton have a game in hand on the two above them. So, say if Everton do win their game in hand straight away, that puts them straight up to 16th, and Leeds then drop in down on on goal difference. So, looking obviously at um, some of the the, the run-ins. So, obviously Everton have Leicester, Watford, Brentford, Crystal Palace, and then Arsenal. Leeds have. Uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, Brighton, and Brentford. And then Burnley have Villa, Spurs, Villa again, and Newcastle um, in their their last uh, games. Um, of kind of those fixture lists, who do you think is looking at, just at fixtures alone, is more likely to go down? For me, I would say it's probably Leeds just because they're playing two of like the top teams in the league. But I, again, you never know. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I I would say, I would say Leeds are are in trouble. Um, Villa, Villa seem to have turned um, a bit of a corner. So potentially having two games against Burnley that they, they could like thing is Villa don't really have much to play for either. Um but I suppose Gerard's just not the type of character that he let the lads kind of switch off. And um, they obviously could do uh could have a, a big impact on the, the title race last game of the season as well. But um they would need a bit of momentum going into that. And uh, they won the last day so um, although they weren't they weren't very good, Norwich had plenty of chances. Uh, Burnley just seemed to be very strong at home at the moment, um, solid at the back and creating a lot more chances. Um, Leeds, whether they score enough goals between now and the end of the season is questionable, and they still seem to be like obviously the last day. I know it's City, but they'll concede goals. Uh, Everton, Everton have definitely. Showed themselves up to have been very hard to beat. Uh, there obviously there was a lot of antics in the Merseyside Derby, but they were still very impressive. Um, in terms of when you t- when you look at those type of performances that they've put in, you wonder how they've even got into this position in the first place, really. So the players have to take a long look at themselves. Um, but Leicester away, even if they were to nick a draw there, they'd be delighted. Watford away, you'd have to think they'd have a very good chance of winning. Watford are do. Dead and buried. Um, Brentford at home, Palace at home. Then, like they're they they've, they've been very good at home in front of their home crowd. You'd expect them to worst case scenario maybe to pick up four points there. So like you're straight away there. You're looking over forty points potentially for Everton. That should be more than enough to stay up really. Um, and then Arsenal away last game of the season. You'd like to think that they may potentially have have got themselves safe before that, that they're not having to rely on uh, um, playing Arsenal away last game of the season. So, yeah. Um, I think they played Arsenal away uh, a few seasons back, didn't they? Because you went to that game. Was that the last game of the season as well that time? 
Yeah, that was my first uh, Arsenal game to go to. Obviously, uh, it was 2017. Um, I was myself and, and dad, obviously, him being an Everton fan, I was able to get tickets to that. So it was nice to um, to go with him and enjoy that the was, football. That was Lukaku, one of the Lukaku's last games as well, was it? Yeah, for yeah it was. Yeah, before he, before he went to United, um, he scored a penalty and... Uh, was it Ramsey yeah. scored? Alexis Sanchez scored. Koscielny. Koscielny scored. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad memory. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Three one. So, three one win. <laughs> I think that something probably similar could happen if if Everton are are, are safe. Um, and then obviously Everton are dodged the bullet and they kind of rebuild for next season. Um. Interesting to see if they get any money in the summer, regardless of what happens. But, um, yeah. So we're saying, like, realistically, we're saying Watford to go down, um, Leeds to go down, yeah, and then obviously Norwich are got are, are are gone already. So, um, Burnley and Everton potentially to stay up. Yeah, exactly. Like, and obviously we know two of the teams that will be coming up already, and um, obviously Bournemouth who just secured um promotion there, literally. A day or two ago, and obviously Fulham, who were um, champions of of the championship, come back up. It's a pity. It's 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 the same sides coming back up, kind of that have been in the Premier League before. It would have been nice to see maybe some some other sides come up, but we'll see kind of uh, who else kind of maybe can can sneak in there into the playoffs. Um, hopefully, for me, I'd love to see either uh, Nottingham Forest or Luton. Both have looked really good this season. Um, obviously to come up, but yeah, I do agree. I do think it's probably going to be Leeds and uh, Watford, obviously to to go down, and Everton and and Burnley to stay up. Even though I would prefer Burnley to go down, especially after firing um Sean Dyche the way they did, um especially with him being at the club for so long. I suppose uh, there's no there's no loyalty in football these days, so um, I'm sure it won't be long before Sean Dyche, obviously if he decides to go back into the job market, I can't imagine it'll be long before he gets another job, having done such a brilliant job at Burnley, but yeah, it'll be... Um, but I, I'm sure Burnley fans even, I, I, I don't many don't know many Burnley fans, but I can imagine Burnley fans were a little bit disappointed with how it was handled, but if you, if you told them, you offered them the chance to sack Sean Dyche and they stay up, I'm I'm sure they're they're picking they're happy to to let that happen in that sense if it's if it guarantees they stay up and um, rather than taking the risk with Sean Dice staying on. Yeah, I do agree. That more than likely probably would take that over. Like I, I have one or two people uh, who I, I've worked with before, Burnley fans, were gutted to see him go. Um, obviously, but happy that the the results have obviously improved for them. Um, after, since he's gone, but. That they do raise the questions as why why were players not performing for, for him like that while while he was there um seems to kind of just they've got a new lease of life nearly um once the manager sacked which seems to be always the the common trend when uh, managers get sacked um I suppose then kind of obviously the the other big news obviously we've had obviously the last day or two was obviously the whole Chelsea situation that there's obviously a story broke on the news that um Abramovich wanted his 1.5 billion paid back to him and now he's apparently come out and said that he didn't want 
the 1.5 billion back back so it's it's really because see football club and if they're not careful if they don't meet this end of may deadline there is a risk of the club being in serious serious trouble now with a lot of the bidders wondering what's happening obviously they had that bid come in from uh for 4.5 billion which has been rejected by the government so you really don't know what the situation with that club is at the moment it just seems to be a shambles really how everything's been handled yeah, I can't really make head nor tail and understand what's going on. And obviously, he said, "Yeah, he said it, the, all the communication was that he wanted the loans basically repaid." Which uh, I remember having the conversation with myself and a couple of lads, and we we're saying, "I'll guarantee you." Um, when the time comes to it, he's saying, "Oh, he didn't want that money repaid." But I guarantee you, when it comes down to the crux of it, he'll request for that money to be to be paid back to him that he's owed. Um, after trying to make out as if he was being really nice and patriotic and um, like doing the best for the club, but he's still out of pocket. So um, obviously when the time came to it, yeah, he said he wants that repaid. And now he's coming out publicly and saying, no, I didn't request that. So I don't know. It's very hard to keep up with. Um, obviously, there's a responsibility on the, the, the British government, etc., to make sure it's done properly. Um, but there is a serious amount of leverage going on the basis that um, Abramovich or whoever don't seem to think that the government will let Chelsea go by the wayside um, and they're, they're taking a serious risk because, you know, with what with everything that's going on, the links with Abramovich to Putin and everything, I don't think he can afford to take that stance and risk um, making it, obviously, Chelsea v versus, like, the war that's going on because that the British government aren't going to, to lie down and being, give in to the, the, his demands really are they so um, I think that's a serious serious risk to take so yeah it's not over yet and I'm sure there'll be loads of um, loads more still kind of developments etc but you'd like to think just for the sake of everything that's going on and obviously the, the size of the club and the history of the club you'd like to think it would, it would all get just resolved yeah, I do agree. Like, do do you think, obviously, f- from the outside, like this this is something that obviously before the government t- took in the sanctions, that they should have properly sat down and decided, you know, because we don't know what's obviously pulling, but it's obviously the whole what happens to the money that that comes in, obviously when the club is sold, because obviously Abramovich's assets have been frozen, most of obviously Russian people's assets kind of in in the UK and around Europe have been frozen obviously um he obviously still owns his his house that's in London as well um which he's not selling that it is is the way the government have handled it in regards to what they've decided that the money goes to so obviously this money co- comes in say if they do get the bid they accept the bid is the main issue here is they haven't decided where this money actually goes. Um, is that kind of the main issue, do you think? Potentially, yeah. Like, I, um, yeah, in terms of does it go to Roman or whoever, like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, like, or is that money going to be used directly in, in the, the war in Ukraine? Yeah. So, like, look, um, 
that's it's kind of way above you your and I pay grades the kind of thinking and the kind of people responsible for these decisions so um you although look historically with the kind of acid test look the British government and whoever need to take responsibility that they let this man get into this position in the first place that he he was left by a football club these ties were all there well before the before now, it like they weren't they weren't exactly uh uh state like a socially gu- closely guarded secret that Abramovich had links to Putin and now obviously Putin's uh, power at the time wasn't on kind of level of influence isn't what it is now but um that's all all this sort of stuff should have been nipped in the bud and he should never been let by the football club if that. So you know, so I suppose, yeah. Look, it's um, it's a it's a pain. Like it is a pain, um, that it's taken this long to to resolve the issue. But I suppose you can't rush these things, um, either. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, hopefully, it gets sorted. Yeah, I agree. Like the the main thing that you probably can raise from this is this. This is a perfect sign of kind of the risks you run as obviously a country when you bring in foreign owners into obviously your um your clubs and stuff like that so obviously you've got like you look at some of the national teams you obviously got um obviously liverpool um arsenal united um all kind of u.s owned uh owners pretty much then you've got obviously um, the Saudi Arabia owners of um, Newcastle. You've obviously got obviously the Roman Abramovich situation with Chelsea. This is obviously the risk now of bringing in foreign owners, and this is kind of what they need to do now. Maybe going forward, is they need to have kind of look into these type of things that they're not promoting, kind of stuff like this to happen or bringing in risks obviously for stuff like this obviously with with money and stuff like that or ties to war and stuff like that in other countries which is is tough but it's what they need to do probably now going forward yeah well look the 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 asset test and the need for an independent regulator has to be put in them and that's obviously been discussed and being flagged by um been flagged by um what you call it um okay. um no but Gary Neville and obviously loads of other people independent people that did have done reports and saying the need for for an independent regulator so um maybe these things now will help speed that up uh, and make that a reality because that just has to happen um to avoid this kind of situation which is a farce really isn't it um uh, to avoid a kind of uh this happening again yeah no i I totally agree and it's it is it's it's a complete farce that it's gotten to this stage now obviously i won't reflect too long on it because i'm sure people are probably sick and tired of listening to obviously news about stuff like that financial issues and stuff that we've had so much over the last year obviously with this Chelsea situation with obviously the situation that happened at Derby Football Club and some other clubs over the last few seasons, it is tough to kind of keep listening to this type of thing. So I will kind of move on to a much better story for some fans, obviously, 
to listen to, obviously. But the obviously, I suppose the next point to touch on is obviously I said it with Tommy last week. We now know the news. Obviously, Ten Hag is going to be the new Manchester United manager. Do you think, uh, from looking at the outside as well as as another fan, like what Tommy and I said last week? Do you think United are in the same boat as Liverpool were in, or Arsenal are in at the Arsenal are in at the moment, kind of, or Liverpool were in, obviously before Klopp came in? Are they at the the kind of same situation you were in before Klopp came in? That it's a complete and utter rebuild and kind of getting rid of player the not non-essential players that they need in that squad. It's a tough. It's a tough one, like. Like, um, because like you look at obviously what, um, obviously Arsenal are in now. Arsenal have done kind of the starting thing was they've got rid of a lot of the dead woods or players on too high a salary, and they're getting rid of obviously one or two probably that'll be gone this summer as well. So now they've gotten rid of that bit. Now it's just to build on top of that and get to that next stage where they're consistently in the top four. And then once they're consistently in the top four, the next stage after that is to get up and challenge the top two. Yeah. Well, like, look, I, I suppose from Man United's perspective, obviously they had so much success for such a long time. Um, they're, um, they're not used to this in that sense. Obviously, they had that barren period, which everybody seems to have forgotten about before Ferguson's success. And obviously, the FA Cup, which kind of started everything. But for Alex Ferguson might never have had the success that he had had he not that FA Cup win. And then he had the class of 92 that came along and that really helped re, like, reinvigorate the club and helped kick them on to the next level. Obviously, the signing of Cantona was a massive help as well. Um. But like this is a team that finished second last season to Man City, um, who were kind of runaway winners of the league. They were a clear second. Then they also got to a um European Cup final, like uh, Europa League final, and they kind of bottled it. Um, they were very poor in the night, and like they were all raving about how good Bruno Fernandez is. Like so, they have some very, very, very good players. These players can't suddenly then just be disregarded. And um, obviously, there's been a lot of money spent, but like, th- is the squad as bad as what people make it out to be? Now, I know there's a lot of deadwood that they need to get rid of as well. Um, but it's going to be a case of it's going to take at least three to four windows to kind of figure out, get their cut, like their their spine of their team spot on. Um. And, and get some marquee players and then obviously let Ten Hag get his philosophy across and everything like that. But um, like it's going to take a similar amount of time that any project would take. It's going to take three to four seasons to get to back to the point where they're competing, I think, um, or like win the trophy or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, like... Is it as big a job as Klopp had prior, though? I don't think so, because they have got, like, on his day, Bruno Fernandes is a world-class player. Like, they seem to have more of those kind of top players um, than Liverpool had at the time. Um, there isn't, there hasn't really been any other big, like, Chelsea have a very different kind of model. So do City, but City had a lot of world-class players when Pep came in, and obviously he spent a lot of money as well. So it, it, it's very... In the sense of similar to Liverpool in terms of the rebuild job the Klopp had to do, um, this is kind of the, only really the kind of second time that we've kind of seen this. So it'll be interesting to see how it all how, how it all like goes. Yeah, 
it is it is an interesting to to see where they're at. Like obviously, as you said, obviously let to go from obviously uh, European Cup final and obviously second in the table in the league to now fighting to get even Europa League or Europa Conference League football is is just phenomenal to see that such a change. Um, I've seen like obviously I've listening to the, to different podcasts and listening to different people talk. Like I've seen mixed mixed feelings in regards to certain players in that team. Do you think the signing of Cristiano Ronaldo was a mistake to an extent on their part in regards to it did affect certain areas because of the way he plays now at such an average. Um, maybe look, it's very hard to know. Like I, like obviously, all the rumors have been that they would never assign them had City had City been linked. Um, so it was a kind of avoid them going to City more so than actually needing Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, so I don't know. Um, like you take Ronaldo's goals out of the team this season, do 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 they get into the knockout stage of Champions League? Um, like, do they do they challenge for top four? Um, like, there's loads of different questions that can be answered. Really, um, I I don't know. It's hard to know. Um, like you could argue he his professionalism, etc., are exactly what was needed. Um, for for that squad but like they had such a good season last year um, look I just think too many bad happens obviously happened while Ollie was there um, there wasn't really like he didn't have the same style as Ferguson now I don't know whether Ferguson's style would actually work in the modern game with the modern player and they seem to have that they bit more ruthless themselves in terms of getting managers sacked and there's a bit more player power I don't think that would ever that didn't exist when when Ferguson was there, because whenever a player got too big for his boots, he just they just he just got rid, you know. Um, Roy Keane gone, Ruvan Nistelrooy gone, um, you know. Obviously, the whole scenario with um, Wayne Rooney at the time, and then he just signed another contract, like Beckham potentially. Not that ever there was an issue behind the scenes with Beckham, but Ferguson obviously felt he'd like outgrown the club and his interests lied out, outside of football, and um, so he got rid of him. Like you know, there isn't. You could argue Klopp and Pep have similar profiles at their clubs. Obviously, Arteta has tried to do the same at at Arsenal in terms of he got rid of Ozil and he got rid of Aubameyang, and um, probably going to get rid of Lacazette in the summer as well. So. Yeah, if if you're getting the results, I think you can get away with that kind of stuff. But like, if you weren't getting the results and then you were trying to do all that, you might turn the dressing room against you as well, you know? So I think potentially it would be... I don't think it would necessarily be a bad thing if Ten Hag were to come in and be like, no, Cristiano, you're not part of my plans. Um, I think he could get away with that because he's in there early. Um, and it's a decision that you make and you live and die by your sword. If he was to make that decision after season and the results hadn't gone their way, I don't know whether the dressing room would necessarily rally behind you then, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think, from my opinion, I think obviously Ronaldo 
has had positives and negatives. So obviously, he's been positive in he's for them when they've needed it in, in certain games. I think the negative side, when you look at it, probably was the fact that maybe he didn't 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 suit the style that United were were playing last season. I suppose the the, the style they had last season, the way they played, was a bit different because he's. The way he plays, he's now kind of the last man. He sits up there and he tries to to get things done. You know, one of those things that you you, you don't know what what will happen. I suppose um, with Cristiano, but I do think obviously Ten Hag will probably get in there early and he will probably say, "Look, Cristiano, you're a fantastic player, but I don't think you suit." My philosophy, I think it'd be better if if we let you go and join another club. We'll help you get that club. We'll help with the transfers. We'll get it all sorted. Like he'll be very respectful in in what he would say to Cristiano if he wants to let him go. Or it could be the other thing he said, Cristiano, you're part of my plan. I want you. You're my. You're, I want to try and build the club, and I want you to help me build this team around you to suit your style. Yeah, like I'm saying, it's going to be interesting what whether he makes that decision or not. I know there's. You know, your fans could, could be quite divided on that. Um, obviously, Roy Keane's had to say he's going to be on and off the fence, and he more or less says, "If I was United you know, manager, Ronaldo would be part of my team next season." So, um, funny enough, I just don't think actually think himself and Bruno play well together, and I've said that, and I think that's been evident in the Portuguese team as well. Um, like one plays well or the other plays well, I don't think they both play well together. That's just my opinion. Um, whether that's an ego thing or just styles of play, I'm not sure. So, because you'd like to think with how good Bruno is in terms of creating chances, and then obviously how well Ronaldo has been finishing wise, that they'd be linking up a lot more. But I don't think they have really been throughout the season, have they? Um, so it'll be interesting to see next year what what what, or even in the summer, what Ten Hag's decision is, um, and who he brings in. But yeah, like for for a United fan. Where they are at the moment is probably you're probably quite excited um at the prospect of a kind of rebuild job and where it potentially go and you probably get carried away in terms of oh does it go down the likes and do we get competing like we were does Klopp like does Sen Hag do a similar job to what Klopp has done um hope they hope it obviously doesn't work out like that but we'll have to I'm sure you're the same but we'll have to wait and see I just hope from from looking at as a fan from the outside uh. Yeah. Talking in a, in a neutral perspective, I hope it does work out. I hope it things, but then as as an Ars fan, I hope it takes a lot longer for it to work out. So I hope if the, if it is going to work out, that it takes a lot of time. So it takes three or four seasons, and or that. To, so when you get to that stage, Arsenal are maybe already challenging for for uh, titles and trophies, and then United have to try and come in the background or. Try try and scrap in there, but uh, hopefully we'll we'll be challenging again. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's, it's a big transfer window for for Arsenal as well. Like, there's obviously like that's more likely going to leave, and you obviously need to replace him. You need to replace Aubameyang really, and um, there's other upper positions, um, especially like say left back or or right full, um, both of those that you could ideally deal with. Especially when Tierney's out, who's your backup? Um, she's not really happy with Tavares there, yeah. And then right side, obviously, um, when Tommy Ashu's not there, um, 
like Cedric isn't necessarily the the backup you want. So, um, and then obviously like a centre mid or whoever. But like there is, if you're an Arsenal fan, then there you probably if you get Champions League, you're looking forward again to next season and looking forward to the transfer window and. Yeah, so like, look, there's loads to loads to look forward to, and then obviously we have the the World Cup coming up. Um, although whether I watch too much of that, I don't know. I'm half tempted to boycott the thing with everything that's going on, but um, we'll see. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a bit of a farce the World Cup this year because I just want to affect um obviously teams as well because they're gonna have their season. They're going to have a, literally a whole month off. So they obviously get the summer break. Then they come back. They start their season. Some se- leagues are starting slightly earlier because of the World Cup. Then they get to, obviously, kind of November. Then they're going to have to take a break kind of all the way up. And then they'll be back around Christmas. And y- looking from the outside, some of these teams who will have players playing in the World Cup, some of the pl- th- the worst thing for them is they can have a world-class player like, like your Sadio Mane, or someone like that who's who's going to the World Cup, and that player gets injured, and then you you face the rest of the season without that player now. So like that's the risk now that's coming into this, and then obviously players having to obviously travel and stuff like that, and then teams who maybe before the World Cup were in great form get into World Cup, then they have this World Cup, and then they have to try and rebuild that form now kind of after the World Cup. It, it's going to cause so much kind of chaos, I suppose. Oh, big time. Um, And then, like, um, I just got an alert there. Apparently, Mbappe is going to be staying at PSG, two-year contract extension, 100 million bonus or something. Um, So, yeah, like, look, but they're... There's a lot that could happen now, especially in the summer with trans- big transfers. Um, clubs gone. Um, you have the likes of Pogba. Where's he gonna go? Um, and a few other players, high-profile players that are on freeze. Um, here we go. Sorry, hundred million sign a bonus and fifty million a year, two-year contract. So, yeah, like it, it literally just PSG just throw enough money at it, it'll solve the issue. So, money um, talks. yeah. So and obviously there's been lots of rumors that Poch won't be there next season. So. Look, who knows? But football's a mad old world. There's always something. There'll always be something, some shock or some mad decision or transfer. Or... I suppose that's another question I do have for you. Obviously, say, um, obviously the whole Pochettino ha- uh, get sacked thing. Maybe that was was something in the deal that maybe Mbappe said, "I'll stay, but you have to get rid of the manager and bring in a world class manager." Say if they do bring in um, Conte from Spurs, if they're able to to get him over the line, could do you think you Tino returning to Spurs then maybe as a move? Yeah, well, like look, uh, Conte apparently had put his name forward. Um, I know some people think Zidane is probably if if there isn't the next person appointed at PSG, it'll be Zidane. Um, obviously with his French links that would kind of make sense um, whether he whether he wants another high profile job or he's had enough after Brigitte I don't know uh, Potts to come back would be strange in terms of how he left in the first place um, like that was one so Spurs one of the most successful periods in terms of consistently challenging the squad they had everything 
Um, and then to sack him in the first place was a strange decision. So for him to come back, I don't know. I think if he comes back. But then again, look, he thought, thought he was nailed on for the United job. So, yeah, well, look, I couldn't tell you. Like, stranger things have happened, haven't they, really, in, especially in the Premier League and um, in England. So, um, if you put me, you're asking me to put my head in the line, I'd say no. Um, but who knows? Yeah, no, it is it is going to be interesting to see if, if, if uh, obviously, what happens with, obviously, Pochettino, but I think that's just even that news to break on thing. Obviously, Mbappe staying at PSG does obviously probably certain clubs' plans. Obviously, this summer, obviously Real Madrid were were trying to get him over the line. So obviously, discussions with them obviously didn't go the way obviously he wanted. So definitely something maybe um, that affects their plans and what they want to get this summer as well. So. Will be interesting to see how the transfer wor- window works now. Cert- with other clubs, maybe who were looking at him as an option as as an attacker, now they have to prioritize elsewhere. Or will they still go in maybe and try put in a, a big big money bid um, to try and steal him still? Like big time. Um, oh. Be um, very interesting, um, but like obviously Haaland um, at Dortmund, like more or less. Obviously the re, obviously we haven't really touched on the Domino Riola. Obviously, um, big shock. Obviously, it was earlier in the week or last week uh, him passing away. Um, very sad. But um, obviously, will that impact on Haaland and? in terms of his new agent um, I don't know obviously the ins and outs of all that kind of stuff because um, obviously he was agent for a number of high profile including Pogba and um, Ibrahimovic etc as well so does that impact those players in terms of what their decision making in terms of where they go next season as well um, so yeah I couldn't tell you it's going to be uh, going to, I definitely see it as being one of the kind of higher profile um, summer transfer windows um, in terms of some of the switches, like obviously Liverpool have been linked with you, Bellingham and stuff as well. So, um, I but I think it'll be the exact same with Dortmund. If Haaland leaves, I don't think any other high-profile player leaves that club. They'll be similar to what happened with Sancho. Sancho and Haaland weren't going to be leaving in the same window. So, um, yeah, you'd expect uh, expect Dortmund to 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 potentially just let Haaland go. They'll probably find some brilliant replacement as well that'll be worth the same amount of money in a couple of years' time because they're just brilliant <laughs> and finding these these diamonds in the rough. Like they had Lewandowski and then he went to, to Bayern. There's been so many high profile play for players that they've made so much money off. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I totally agree. Like the, that is the one thing one trend obviously with Dortmund is um they always seem to to, to restart with some new high quality striker or new attacker that that kind of kicks them on i think i think i agree with you obviously condolences out to obviously the the rayola family obviously shock i think when when i found out obviously that that he had passed away obviously um there's an illness i think that the, the is what they were saying was the cause obviously of it but um so so many players obviously affected who who he was he would kind of hit the scene obviously with Dennis Burkamp back in 1993 obviously got transferring to I think it was Inter Milan 
was kind of when he kept the scene and since then he's he's been uh, kind of a center figure in so many big transfers from the likes of obviously Pogba going to Juventus then back to, to United then obviously Haaland being um, one of his up um getting into Dortmund and that um, so it, it will be interesting to see if that does affect obviously players transfers and stuff like that obviously with trying to get obviously all the, the agents deals done now or pulling in a new agent or how how that works um so obviously hearts go out to, to all the family it's uh, obviously surprise obviously when it happens um and i can't even imagine some of the players obviously who've had that such a close relationship with him how, how that's affected them as well yeah big time obviously it's a it's a, a massive loss in the footballing world in that sense and um he was a bit of a polarizing figure, but I can still imagine, obviously, with so many high-profile players being associated with him, he was obviously well liked and um, uh, highly regarded in terms of his uh, his ability as an agent. So, um, yeah, look, a loss, a loss, a big loss. Obviously, all concerned, and um, yeah, hopefully, it doesn't have too much of a an impact on those players, and hopefully, they can get sorted and get their um, their careers kind of back on track to an extent obviously with the likes of Pogba um, so obviously had a very unsuccessful period at, uh, at United especially so um, yeah sure we'll have to wait and see yeah I suppose we've done plenty probably across the, the episode today we've spoken a quite a wide, wide kind of range I don't want to cover too much in regards because obviously in a few weeks time um hopefully we'll have our uh, end of season um episode where we'll probably cover loads of stuff maybe reflect on the summer and stuff like that um so i'll kind of leave a lot of stuff till then so we can talk it more but uh thank you again Rue, for joining me for today's episode of what hits on as always great to have you on thanks william man appreciate it. um enjoyed it obviously a couple of big matches tonight as well so i'm sure we'll be able to kind of reflect on them um, and those results as well in um in the in future. But hopefully loads of um loads of positives to reflect on for Liverpool, I hope. So and Arsenal of course. Um, respectively. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. Um don't forget as we've um we sh- uh, should have our special episode, hopefully within the next month or so. I'm trying to kind of obviously anticipate obviously for the Liverpool fans that I do have on the episode, trying to let them enjoy the, the Champions League final and stuff like that, and then giving them time, obviously, to take that in, depending on the results and stuff like that, and give the, everyone a chance to, to watch as much football before we, we have that chance to think. Um, and then discussing, uh, hopefully, in that uh, end-of-season episode, we'll pick our teams of the season, maybe so a few other awards, like surprise package, player signing of the season, and stuff like that. Um, um, so, definitely... If uh, to keep updated on up and coming stuff or on the latest thing, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at What a Hits on Podcast or even myself at Little Martin. I do like to post on both, both or trying to post on both more regularly. Um, don't forget uh, to also subscribe to the podcast on all platforms Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on quite a lot of things. But until then, I've been Keen Sammy Mar and this has been What a Hits on. Oh, you're beautiful! What a headshot!
What a 